Welcome to Looming in the Numinous. Today's guest is Rob Yarber. Uh, he's a friend of mine from back in the day working at Flattail. When I first met him, I saw his picture all over local magazines and newspapers. The guy's been traveling the world the last couple years and just trying to live his best life. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. Here we go. Ba-da-da. <laughs> That's already your Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. All right, let's go. All right. Yeah, get with the program, Rob. Come All on. right. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to remember so I can get into what I'm about to explain to you. Mm-hmm. But we worked at Flattail for like three years together. Correct. And then I left in 2018 mm-hmm. and I went to Two Towns and I'm still at Two Towns. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Two Towns, Two Towns is a good company. Seemingly more stable mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with a very bright future. So it's a good place to get into. Yeah. Even now, every day, it's still a good place to get into. It still you wanna, is. You know what I mean? They're still going up and up. Given, given the circumstances of the world right now, like Two Towns is, as far as, far as I know, doing Yeah, I, pretty I like good. all those guys. Those guys, <laughs> you know, the, the owners, they have given me clothes off of their back because I have been like, like literally have cool. given you clothes off. Yes, back. like unzipped a hoodie and I'm like, here you go, Rob. And then when I gave it away to somebody on one of my travels and I was like, oh, hey, I need another one. <laughs> Uh, here you go, Rob. I'm yeah. just like, you got that's, it, Rob. that's right. I remember you came back from <laughs> your travels. Yeah. And I remember seeing that on like one of your Instagram stories that like yeah. you needed to get more swag from like Flat Tail and Two Towns and no, like the, the other people, places that you love. They love it. Yeah. I, I was in Florida and met somebody from Minnesota and they were like, oh my God, is that a Two Town city? I mean, she was a very attractive woman. So you're like, here's nothing. I was just trying to support the brand, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was just like, you know, here, have it. You know, the, the, the men and women of Two Towns would want you to have it. That's true. And then I needed to have another one because I really did like that hoodie. And I really wanted one. Yeah. <laughs> but I just give and then hope I can get another one. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool, though, like when you see stuff from your, like, home out and about in the rest of the world. Yeah, I met, um, I met a girl one time and she was staying in my hostel in Greece. And she was from Portland, and she knew all about flat tail. And I had a flat tail shirt in my bag, and she was like, "You know about flat tail?" And I was like, "You know about flat tail?" Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, "We're in Greece right now." Yeah. Like, Are you kidding? Yeah. That, that's crazy. Yeah. And then you're like, my like up the the top bunk for me, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Portland. So, how many countries have you been to at this point? I've been to 21 countries now. Okay, that's that's a lot. Yeah, considering the first time you met me, I'd been to only Mexico. Yeah. And I was like in college, I used to, I went to college on Southern California, so it was like, you could just go for the night and like drink and hang out and come back. You didn't need a passport, you didn't need anything, you're sure. ID yeah. or your license, go to Mexico for the night. That's the only place I'd ever been. And now, I'm such a different person from that yeah. person that you met, or even the person you last seen. I mean. Oh yeah, dude. When we were at the, your kid's soccer game. Yeah. Yeah, with your, with your uh, in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. I was about, I would tell you, I was about to go off to, I was talking about the bartending school and yeah, all that. And it was, which you went and did it. It was so amazing. Let's start there. Let's talk about bartending school. Oh my gosh. Like European bartender school, it's the number one school in the world. They got like 28 schools, 16 different countries. And I don't know what happened. I think, 
I think my phone was listening to me because I, I'm pretty sure they it popped up in an ad somewhere. Yeah. Because I needed to get some certificates to get a visa to Norway. They needed to see more stuff other than just experience, you know? So I was like, okay, well, all right, I got to get some certificates, you know, like what are some of the best bartending schools? Well, I don't want to go to one in the States because I'm trying to get a visa in Europe. So I want to have something that shows like European I don't, proficiency, right? And bartending. Because everything is in milliliters and centiliters and everything yeah. over there, you know? The better way. Yeah, it, definitely <laughs> the better way. And um, so it, it just popped up and I think I went on their website and I filled out a little thing, like give me some info and they called me and man, and it's not that I'm right. not thankful and uh, very happy and blessed to be traveling and seeing all the things I'm seeing. But I'm like, man, I come home, nobody yeah. loves me. <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? I don't have I don't have nobody that's like, hey, how was your day? Where have you been at? It's just nothing. It's just like, oh, well, there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things too, I wanted to mention this. The first time I ever noticed that I realized my smart devices were like listening to me. Yeah. This is maybe, I don't know, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching uh I use the MLB app because I get it free with my phone plan. Yeah. And I was watching a game that was taking place, I think it was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Or it might have been, um, it might have been Washington. Um, I don't remember who was playing who, but uh, the uh, the they the the uh, behind the catcher, mm-hmm. they have the green screen walls. But like to us growing up watching baseball, they always had advertisements back there. But now they use like what appears to be green screens. Yeah. And there's an advertisement on there for Carl's Jr. Yeah. Which was to me a red flag because that's the East Coast and it's not Carl's Jr. in the East Coast, right? Isn't it? No, Hardee's? it's Hardee's. Yeah, it's Hardee's. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. that's not real. And that's <laughs> no. what, and so it's and I started diving into all the conspiracy theories. I was like, oh, it's just apps using. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, it's definitely stuff. like yeah, on East Coast, Carl's Jr. is not a thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, no. So my phone was listening to me, right? And I, I just. I don't know, skeptical American, I guess, because I was like, I was thinking I was just going to give some money to some people and my desperation for a certificate so that I can get a visa to where I want to be and where I want to live, mm-hmm. you know, my dream, I was thinking I was, I, I could have been making a mistake out of my desperation because I didn't know anything about it. And I had only ever heard the bartending schools were bad mm-hmm. and uh, their scams and all this different stuff. So I was like, man, this one's a lot because... It's in another country, and I got to get a plane ticket, and I'm supposed to pay for this. And I just knew when I showed up, it was going to be like an empty building, and my own money was going to be gone. But it yeah. wasn't, and it was so amazing. I'm like, it's unreal. There's like 24 students in the class. I'm the only American. Yeah. And everyone's about bartending, and you just learn. You learn everything. And a lot of people, you're a bar, you know how to bartend. You're a bartender, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know the art, the trade. A lot of people say bar backing is the best way. To learn, that's the only way some people feel like it's like the purest, only bar back. But I read a comment in a YouTube video that said uh, a guy was talking about when you bar back, it limits you to the establishment you're working mm-hmm. in. If you yeah. bar back at a dive bar and then, you know, someone's like, hey, I got a job for you at this fancy cocktail bar, you're going to be lost. Yeah. If you bar back at uh, a nightclub, you know, and then you try to go to a brewery or a sports bar or any other type of setting, yeah, it's going to be different, you know? Mm-hmm. And... uh European bartending school teaches you everything. But, you I mean, can leave there and go anywhere. Even that, though, is just like that's like a truth of life that um, no matter where you go, you could be doing the same job, but it's going to be different because you're surrounded by different culture, different yep. people, uh, just a completely different atmosphere. Um, but like, yeah, when it comes to like bartending for me, I I I'd started bartending at uh, 
Outback Steakhouse. That's mm-hmm. where that was my bartending school. <laughs> hey, whoa, hey, bartenders look, bartenders matter everywhere, whether yeah. it's Outback, Applebee's, wherever. But even even when I like would train people and like I would have like a bar back, I would make them do most of the work because mm-hmm. to me, the best way to become a good bartender and really good at anything is to just throw yourself into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like I remember, like when I started bartending at Flattail again, I it had been 10 years since I bartended last because mm-hmm. I, I had gone and done all my traveling and whatnot. And, yeah. um, but, and I have to say it like the muscle memory to get it down again, it took, it took me a while, but then mm-hmm. like once it all clicked, I was like, Oh yeah, I can do this. Yeah. And slinging drinks just became a part of my nature. Well, I, I like it. I mean, uh, it's taken me literally it's taken me all over the world, bartending now in three different countries lived in three different countries, you know, I bartended in uh, Norway where serving doubles is illegal. You can mm-hmm. serve two singles, you can't serve a double. I bartended in Ireland where, I don't know if you've heard, they like to drink in Ireland. Oh, yeah. And uh, there are, there's sidewalks where there's four pubs in a row. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're all packed. You know what I mean? And it's, it's just marvelous. And it's such a great way to get to know people and chat mm-hmm. with people. I like to learn about people, where they're from, how they yeah. got where they are. They're happy. Yeah. I don't know. I'll get to chat with people about things. And so at this bartending school, though, too, was it like all the other students were other countries as well, but you were just the only American? Yeah, I was the only yeah. American. It's just how it worked out. It was in um, it was in Ireland, and uh, they have two schools in the States. One is in Brooklyn, uh-huh. which is where I'll be going to be teaching in January. Oh, for real? Yeah. My yeah. Uh, my friend Ashley lives in Brooklyn. I'll hook you up. Yeah, her. it's She's in Williamsburg. Uh, I'm, yeah, being a part of that is... It's, it's just life-changing. It really is. Uh, like I said, I was the only American, but there was students from Japan, a couple students from Ireland, Switzerland, Germany, uh, the Netherlands, France, uh, Brazil, like, you know, and we all, like, they flew there for yeah. the course. So these people, they're all going back to their countries when they're done. You spend four weeks living together, grocery shopping with each other, learning every single day. I mean, you know, you have theory you're learning the history of each spirit and liqueur mm-hmm. and uh wines and french wine and american wines and all this i mean it's so comprehensive yeah and it's just like i i don't know what other bartender schools are like yeah but they cannot be like this one it's 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 not possible it's because you could go from not knowing what even a boston shaker is and passing that course at the end you could go into a bar and bartend by yourself no problem yeah like, that's no awesome problem. So, so I'm like I won't be part of that. So yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be an instructor for you guys. Uh, I'll go travel around the world. Yeah. All right. I want to back up now. Yeah, yeah. Because this is kind of what you have been doing mm-hmm. since you and I were last together. Yeah. And I know I know Rob from 2014 to we'll say 2018. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a, a good four years where we kind of knew each other and worked together. Yeah. But like the Rob that I've been told about from your mouth as well is. You have quite a backstory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy backstory. You're whole, from originally from Virginia or DC? Yeah, I'm from Virginia. I grew up okay. in North Virginia, Herndon, Virginia. Is uh, Fairfax County? You know, that's my home. I, I'm, I, I love Virginia. Yeah, I love it. And then you moved here in my, your my junior year of high junior school. year of high school, which yeah, couldn't have been here. easy. <laughs> no, I moved here to Corvallis, Oregon, eleventh grade, and it was not easy because I was a teenager. I was. When I was 16, uh, I just got moved from the state I've lived in my whole life, 
all my friends, everything, and I come to Corvallis where there's like there was like no black people, yeah. which was not. <laughs> it was just different, you know. You know what I mean? Because I was just like every radio station played country music. The hip hop station was like way from Portland. You could barely get it in. I people were wearing like boots and stuff, and I didn't even know what Romeos were. I'd never heard of them before. <laughs> hey, what what are Romeos? They're like the boot shoe that the farmers and oh, country yeah, people yeah, yeah, wear. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, everybody's got them. Yeah, everyone's got them. I, <laughs> you you me, might have some and not I, know it. I might have some back home in Idaho. <laughs> yeah, most but definitely. Maybe I was talking to Stu about this, but it might have been Phil and Kate. But it's like. As much as I grew up in Idaho and was like from a farming family, mm-hmm. my dad's family, the Dillons, uh, were ex-farmers who became plumbers. And so I spent most of my life as like a shop kid in the plumbing shop. Okay. And then I would work a couple summers that like my uncles would have me come out and detassel corn or rogue or whatever. So I never got like all the farming gear. Mm-hmm. And then also during my like world travel period of life, where we'd be like, you're the first person I've met from Idaho, and you're like, we this you're not what we had expected at all. Like, we thought you'd be a potato farmer, you know, wearing overalls all the time and yeah. boots. And it's like, no, I'm from like the Boise area, and it's not so much farm anymore. And this is a city, Boise city. city. Um, Idaho is awesome. I my uh, my dad went to college in in Idaho. When I was a kid, he had a job at University of Idaho. Uh, for a couple of years when I was a teenager and I used to be in Moscow hanging out and mm-hmm. uh, I, I I love Idaho if I was able to say if I had a million dollars I would obviously have my permanent residence in Norway because yeah I love Norway right, yeah, right. Um, but if I would if I could have a house in the states it would be in Sandpoint Idaho oh I, yeah I was looking up I literally looked up I, I was like thinking the things I wanted I was like I want a house by like mountains but also like water but maybe not running water because like I want to have a family one day, I want to get them swept away, you know. So maybe mm-hmm. like a lake or something like that. So that was I started looking up like top ten lake towns in America, and Sandpoint was on that list. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. I was just like, I looked it up. It's like, man, Canada's right there. So there's my world travel. Go to another country. Yeah, got, like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Washington, Oregon. It's like right in the middle of all this upper left USA. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm the, like I was, the Cascadia. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, the I'm bio bioregionalism. I tell you, if I can make it possible, I will have a home in Sandpoint one day. <laughs> I will. And trying to remember what town is, it's either directly north or directly south of Sandpoint, but it's like a dinky town. And I went there with my church group as a young kid and like repainted the town. Yeah. But that's like a 10 hour bus ride from where I'm from. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, it's, it's pretty hazy. And I, I was probably only like just getting into junior high. So I had been like 12, 13 years old. You know, it's, it's, it's funny in my travels to different people I speak to and some of the places I go and they'll have opinions, even though they've never been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like someone may say, Idaho, why would you want to live in Idaho? There's no black people up there. They're all racist up there. And I'm like, I don't deny it. Some people are racist everywhere. Mm-hmm. I have never had that personal experience in Idaho. So, I mean, I think it's a very beautiful place and I want to live there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I don't, sometimes the energy, I feel like energy you give off could be a, a big factor of some of uh, the things that happen. Mm-hmm. Not always. You can't control what someone else does to you. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I feel like I've got good energy. So wherever I go, it's a lot of positivity. A lot of positive yeah. things happen. So I'm, I'm really not worried about the negatives of a place. Mm-hmm. You tell someone, God, I, I want to move to this place. It's so awesome. And they they hit you back with this negativity. Like, yeah. Oh well, I heard that it might be, and it's like, man, 
where, where's the positive stuff at, right? Oh, you heard this, like, beautiful mountains and you can go snowboarding and ride dirt bikes and do, yeah, that's awesome. Like, why, mm-hmm. why do people never say the positive stuff? Yeah. Well, people get so tied up in, like, the negative cultural aspects of a place. It's like, this is a reason not to go visit. This yeah, is a reason. See, you know, if you have that mindset, I believe you can find a reason to never go anywhere. I also feel like if you have that mindset, it's kind of like that middle section of the book of the places you'll go where yeah. it's there in the they're at the waiting place. Yeah, and see, I just I just go. I go and I look for adventure and I end up having breakfast, lunch and dinner in three different countries in that same day, you know, like but all this adventure, the, the Rob Ven- hashtag Rob Ventures. Hashtag Rob Ventures, RobDoesItAll.com. Yes, RobDoesItAll.com. <laughs> but this did all start like two, three years ago, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, it was it was 2018. I was going through a pretty difficult time. I was dating a woman that I love dearly. And uh, we were having a baby and the baby didn't make it. And uh, I went through a... That. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all right. Uh I lost a baby. I lost a girl. I lost a job. I had. I lost everything, and um, mm. I went through a really big depression from that. And um, I always had, not always, but like I had been battling different bad habits in my life, you know. So yeah. uh, when that happened, it just, man, I failed big time in life and in that relationship. I needed to be there for her, and I wasn't even there for myself. You know, I have mm. a lot of regret and guilt over that. She don't want to talk to me to this day, you know, and it's crazy, but it's just like, I needed to get away. And my yeah. buddy, my a friend of mine, uh, my childhood friend, one of my day ones was getting married, getting married to the Dominican Republic. And he wanted me to be a groomsman. It was going to be like him, his family. I grew up with them, you know, Virginia, mm-hmm. known him since I was like six years old. And I was just was thinking like, these are my boys and they can see and say anything. And, you know, I'm going to respect their opinion. And so basically, I say that to say this. I was not going to allow myself to show up in front of them mm-hmm. at less than than I needed to be. You know, like mm-hmm. whatever depression, funk, whatever things I was battling, I was going to have to win those battles in mm-hmm. order to show up. Because the last thing you want is your friends. You know, they're Jonah. We call it Jonah. You know, when you're making fun of people. The last thing you want is... Oh man, you know you look smoked out. Or you look, man, what you mm-hmm. want, man? What what what's going? You know, and I, I just didn't want that, and it 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 like fueled a fire in me, and I was like, I gotta be my my best. I gotta be a better self mm-hmm. to go there to to be a part of this. this. Is my 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 guy's day, and uh, it made me. Like, everybody wants to travel, but that made me be like, mm-hmm. I will not miss his wedding. I won't. There will be no excuses for anything that's going on with me about why I can't be there. Right. He gave me a year in advance. You know what I mean? Like, and here it's coming up in like a few months. He's checking in like, hey man, you know, you beat your ticket, all this different stuff. He's got it all, you know, set up. And uh, I, I got it all together and I went. And that was the first time I, I left North America. I was in the Caribbean. Caribbean? Caribbean? Whatever. I, I'm not Potato. sure. Potato. Yeah. <laughs> Potato, zucchini, whatever. Yeah. Right? Uh, so I went and it changed my whole like aspect of life mm-hmm. to see another culture of people, different food, different beer, different everything, different life. And to see people that most, well, I think it's probably factual, you would say are poorer 
in a poorer country and poorer people than like where I'm coming from in America, mm-hmm. a lot of them were so happy. Yeah. And, and I another th- and I think another thing for you too, because this is something else I wanted to get into about yeah. your past, and that it's sounding somewhat comparatively familiar to um, another story you've told me from your life. But mm-hmm. like you've been in rock bottom in America. You yeah, a couple times. Sometimes <laughs> I like to go visit. I get, miss it, I guess. Yeah, but, but yeah, <laughs> but you, I'm not going back no more. They got. But yeah, you did your. Uh, what was it? You did five. Five years in prison. Two yeah. prison since. I've been twice. Yeah. I did four years the first time, one year the second time. You know, see, that's that's my like, it's my awakening. Because mm-hmm. you can look at criminality, like, people go, they get arrested, they get, like, one year, then they get four years, then they get ten years, and they get they become a product of the system. Yeah. See, me, I made a mistake and got in a fight when I was 21 at a college party, and I got four years for that. And then got out, couldn't get a job. Because I tried everywhere, couldn't get a job. And then started like hustling because you took a kid, you put him around a bunch of criminals. Yeah. So what do you think I learned? I learned a bunch of criminal stuff. Right. So when I got out and I couldn't get a job, who could I call? A bunch of criminals. Like, hey, yeah. how? I need to make money. You know what I mean? And uh, so I did that. But you can see the criminality going down and my awakening in my life going up because you see the next time I got in trouble, it was significantly less and I have never been in trouble since. Hmm. And then I was like, I feel like I was very simple minded when I was younger and then just not open-minded and not like ready to experience the different things in the world, you know, like Mm -hmm. to travel around the world, especially coming from America, Europeans and other, every, the rest of the world already has this because the other countries are so close to their countries. Most of them, except for like Australia, (laughs) you know, but every other country has another country so close that people are exposed to other cultures a lot. In America, we're so big. And then we're like, beat into our heads, I feel like, it's in my opinion, uh, we beat into our heads like, we're the best country in the world, there's mm-hmm. nowhere else to go, everyone wants to come to America, they all want to be here. So why would you go there? Yeah. You know, and it takes, a, you know, if you have that beat into your head since you're a child, it takes a whole different mindset to be like, I want I don't want to see Paris on TV. I want to see the Eiffel Tower in person. Like, I want right. to go to these countries. Star started the Dominican Republic and my boy Marcus and once I got back from that, I was like, man, I got to like really kick in my European dream. I need to kick it into gear. Yeah. It needs to not be a dream anymore. And I need to really figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. And uh, that's what I did. So uh, a quote I've been loving lately, and I think I said this in the podcast zero, we're calling it your, your podcast one, but it's a Elon Musk quote and it's really been sitting in my mind lately. And I, I'm totally going to butcher it again, but he basically just said like, yeah, go ahead and make your 10 year plans, but try to accomplish it in six months. And it's just like, you know, if, if at the end of that six months, you know, you fail, well, then you just spent six months learning how to like not reach your 10 year plan and you start again. And from the time I've known you and like the stories you've told me, it just seems like you always have like this big dream. You kind of make it sound like it's going to take a while, but then it just seems like all of a sudden you just started doing Rob Ventures. Like you started doing Rob Ventures, just adventuring through Oregon, really. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, when I worked at Flattail, I had Mondays and Tuesdays off because those were the slowest days. Yeah. I worked there a long time. So I, you know, I, pretty... I worked the double on Tuesday. It was like okay. the only money making shift. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I wanted, I wanted two days off in a row back to back. I know Monday is definitely the slowest day. So I was like, I couldn't get Sunday off because it'd be like sports and different things like that. So it was like, look, give me Monday, Tuesday. I was like, I don't care. I just want two days off in a row. Yeah. And so 
Rob Ventures actually started off as Adventure Tuesdays. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, some just friends of people that worked at Flat Tail. It was all like all of uh, the employees and or their friends, like you know Ashley mm-hmm. Crosby. Uh, I would get people like do I'd be like Tuesday, let's do something's going on adventure today. Um, it was Ava and uh, her friends uh, and Kaylee, Vanessa. There was Nicole, Kristen, like you know Andy, Ezekiel. Like every we was all just it'd be like Adventure Tuesdays. Annalise, uh, Alex. Like it was just so cool. And then as it went out of other Tuesdays, then I was just like, well, it can't just be like Adventure Wednesday, Adventure Thursday, you know. So I don't know. It was just like Adventures with Rob. Yeah, is what I was thinking. And then it turned into well, an Adventure with Rob is a Rob venture. Yeah. And uh, it just, like, I don't know, it kind of organically grew. I didn't have, like, I didn't sit at a table and be like, man, I want to coin something. Yeah. It just, like, you know, going to see waterfalls and, like, I wanted to see waterfalls. And I was thinking, you know, for all the time I've been in Oregon, lost emotionally, spiritually, mentally, mm-hmm. just everything. Breaking the law, mm-hmm. selling drugs, doing drugs, all these different things. I had never seen the beauty of Oregon. I'd never seen not one waterfall. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to the gorge. I'd never been to the coast. <laughs> I'd never seen anything. So I was like, yeah, I want to get out and see some stuff. And um, So what has all these Rob Ventures done for you? Because you mentioned spiritually. Um, I want to like, that is a side of Rob that I've always enjoyed talking yeah. about is just your spiritual journey. Um, I mean, you, you read the Bible how many times in prison? <laughs> Man, a, a bunch. And uh, I've been a part of Bible studies. I have an ESV study Bible that I like lean on because I don't understand everything in the Bible. And I like to be able to, to study Bible. I like to, them to tell me what this means or what that means. You know, I didn't grow mm-hmm. up in the church. So I found Jesus later. And uh, I had different moments where I believe you live life a lot differently when you think nothing matters. Mm-hmm. Or when you are ignorant to the fact that things do matter, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so you're not just like floating around. And for a long time, I was just floating around. I just saw some different occurrences happen in my life are making me feel like I needed to change. I needed to be around different people. Mm -hmm. I needed to, they like something or somebody like Mm -hmm. really loved me or cared about me. And, um, didn't appreciate the path I was going on because I felt like there was a lot much, there was a lot more that I could be doing and accomplishing mm-hmm. in the world. Um, I mean, and apparently, you know, it, it was true because I have been touched by a lot of people in the world, a lot of different countries I've met and learned and been taught so many things from other people. And I'm sure that I have also taught them things mm-hmm. that they would have never known, either maybe a stereotype about Americans, maybe black Americans, maybe North Americans, you know, whatever it is, you know, yeah. I want to, you know, just be like, there's actually a different, there's a, a terminology for that. And it's called crossing and dwelling. Yeah. And it's just the idea of like, you know, you can make it a very simple idea of like, just take Oregon, you know, mm-hmm. you tracked across Oregon, saw mm-hmm. everything, but then you went across the border. Mm-hmm. So you were crossing and, dwelling in Oregon you've crossed the border now you're dwelling somewhere else and crossing around in its uh, within its boundaries but you're gonna cross those again and it's like every little you know nook and cranny that you go to you are influencing and being influenced by every single actant that is around you and you and like these are just things we don't notice like I mean I I don't want to get super into like 
studies because I can't ever recall where they come from. <laughs> but, it's all right. Just yeah. Get into it. I want to learn. There's this one study you. that just talks about like, you know, there's like images that are planted in your mind from like a movie you watched one time when you were a kid. Yeah. Actually, this is really good because my wife just made biscuits. I actually remember from a, a time when I was like seven, I watched this movie on cable TV. And this is, you know, long ago before, direct, like, I think before direct TV and dish and all that were even a thing. Yeah. There's just some like TV movie about this old man whose wife died. After his wife died, a dog showed up mm-hmm. and him and the dog became friends. And he started to actually like believe that the dog was his <laughs> wife's spirit. His wife's but spirit. He one night wanted to make he wanted to make biscuits and yeah. he had never done it before because his wife did. Mm-hmm. And then he there, there's a whole scene where it's just him and the dog in the kitchen and he's just making dough and then he just starts doing it and like however long in movie time that was for him <laughs> for the scene it was like three minutes but he was like he'd made like a hundred biscuits. Oh my gosh! And he was just like oh, I just wanted to make two or three, you know. <laughs> but like that's something that's like stuck with me in my mind where it's like I think I learned like you know pay attention to what you're doing and don't overdo it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, for you though it has been you've been to these what did you, what'd you say twenty two kind twenty one twenty one twenty one and countries. it's uh it's so wild looking at it because there's no way that you went to those places and didn't learn and grow. Man, you know I. I got some handmade beads in Prague from a street vendor, which were like awesome. I went to the Wailing Wall in, Jer- in mm-hmm. Jerusalem in Israel. Yeah. Floated around in the Dead Sea, backflipped into the Mediterranean Sea in Greece. I've <laughs> uh, been to the Berlin Wall, Germany. I danced around in a pride parade in Copenhagen in Denmark. That was cool. I got dumped in like, <laughs> I was riding a bus. I was going from Poland back to Norway. And I missed my flight. And for the same price as a plane ticket, I could take a bus and I could go from Poland to Brno, Czech Republic, to Prague, to Berlin, to Hamburg, to Copenhagen, to Gothenburg, Sweden, to uh, Norway. And I was like, man, I don't have nothing to do. Let's do it. You know, (laughs) I was like, yeah, let's just extend this for like a whole nother week and a half and just go. And when I got to Copenhagen, I had like, it was a few hours for a, uh, like a layover before I had to catch my next bus. So I was getting some food and stuff like that. And I mean, there was rainbow stuff everywhere. And I was like, man, am I missing something? I'm just like, this is crazy. Like the stores, everybody was wearing stuff. Like, wow, they have a lot of support in this. I've never been to Copenhagen. <laughs> this is cool. There's a lot of love here. You know, but then I heard like music, like doom, doom, doom. So I started, you know, going towards the music and it was like, Copenhagen Pride Week and I was like oh that makes way more sense <laughs> and I was like that's cool look at me I'm just like <laughs> dancing in a pride parade in Denmark <laughs> that's crazy you know and didn't on this trip this first trip to Europe wasn't that a one-way ticket you bought initially yeah yeah I was uh I went to Alaska and I was a, became a Bering Sea fisherman because yeah oh, you know? that's right uh so I was like doing that have you ever seen Deadliest Catch I was doing that. It was a very dangerous you're, job. You were catching I, the deadly. Yeah, I took uh, I took my pay from that, and I, yeah, I bought a one-way ticket to Europe. I'd never even been to Europe. I'd never. I'd only ever been to the Dominican Republic, Mexico, America, and Canada. It seems very mad now, but to uh-huh. me, it made so much sense. I was like, I want to go. I want to have a better life. I want to I want to see the world. I, I've seen 43 states in my own country, and the ones I miss... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was just like, I want to go. And I just went. I, I stopped in Amsterdam first. 
It was a 12-hour flight. I hung out in Amsterdam for like five days. That was really cool. And from there, I just went to Norway. I didn't know any Norwegians. I didn't speak Norwegian, couldn't read Norwegian, never been to Norway, didn't have any jobs, didn't have any anything. I just knew I had 90 days Yeah. before I had to leave on my visa. And uh, if I had to make it happen, I just, I don't know, I was like, I just got to meet people, got to find a job. So, <laughs> and, and in that time, you kind of started an acting career. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, much like you with your bartending. Yeah. I went to acting school. Right? Yeah. The Baron Brown Actor Studio in Santa Monica College. Or not Santa Monica College. I went to Santa Monica College. The Baron Brown Actor Studio is in Santa Monica. Yeah. I went there when I was 18 and 19. So I like professionally trained. Did some uh commercials, some print stuff, a Stevie Wonder music video. It's like the Reba McIntyre show, the Parkers. I'd done a few things when I was 18, 19, and 20. Would like to say I'm a pretty good actor. <laughs> yeah. But um so I was trained, and uh, I guess it was a situation where I was in the right place at the right time and had the right set of skills <laughs> to yeah. make an opportunity really work for me. Yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. yeah. You did a commercial for a, like a protein bar? Yeah, Maxim Norga. <laughs> Maxim Norga, what up? Hey, you need to check it out. That hunky peanut bar, it <laughs> is very good. I'm just saying, it's so tasty. It's motivating. I'm just saying, it is, it is really motivating. I, I believe you. You oh. know what? All right. You know what? All right. This is my promise to you. Mark, I'm supposed to be going to Norway here in a few weeks. Okay. The border opens up on the 20th, which it, it may, or they could extend it, you know? I don't know. If it opens up on the 20th, I will be flying back to Norway um, on business and make some dreams come true Yeah, uh, here soon. I will have to come back because then I have to apply for my visa, uh -huh. and I have to apply from it not in Norway. I'm going to get a bunch of those uh, hunky peanut bars from Maxim Norga. And I will bring you. I will bring you and your family's home. And I've, you got you got to check them out. They're well. I've I've, I've honestly wanted one since I saw. They're so good. <laughs> oh my god! I'm telling you, it's. I'm gonna make it happen. Don't worry. I got your mm -hmm. back. And everyone else, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook you guys up. You never had them, but yeah, they're they're very good. So now today you mm -hmm. are back here in Oregon, and you yep. are. I'm here. I'm about to have my fifth knee surgery, actually. I just had another MRI, and uh, there's tear in that. So it's my third. You, you and your legs just have problems. Oh, my goodness. It'll be my third knee surgery, <laughs> my left knee. It'll be my third, or my second surgery. I've had two on my right knee. So, yeah, I'm kind of laid up and uh, out of action for a little bit. So, yeah. But it's all right because, like, how I feel like a lot of things have been working for me, again, my experience, you know, um, is I feel like I've been on a path, right? Yeah. And uh, to me, it seems like obvious because things will happen, like opportunities will present themselves and it's like the next step you're supposed to take will mm. like present itself. You know, like I've just been kind of doing that and it's just crazy. I sit here and I'm like, all right, I'm about to have this knee surgery, which will put me out. But I have my website, my blog that I'm, that I'm writing that's been uh, read in 26 countries. I checked today, 26 countries my blog has been read in. It's crazy. insane. And it it will allow me to like sit down and just push out a bunch of content. Like I, said, I have so much stuff in my mind, mm -hmm. and it's all true. Like this is this is like not even fictional stuff. This is like literally. This is like I haven't even got had to be that creative yet because it's all just true stories. And I, I have mm -hmm. so much stuff I want to write. So what's what's, to, what's something you're working on right now? Well, something I'm working on right now is the biggest the biggest thing I think the biggest blog post I have to date. And it's called Why Norway. It's titled Why Norway. Uh -huh. Because that's the biggest question I get from people. Because, you know, it's like, 
if you've never been outside of your own continent and then all of a sudden you move to another country, like, why did you move to that country? Why did you mm -hmm. want to go to that country? What motivated you? What were you seeking to change or improve? Or, you know, like you do everything with an intention. You know, if uh, you're moving from this house to another house is because you have an intention on something and that's why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I, I'm, I'm working on it and it's like, I, mean, I feel like it'd be the greatest thing I ever wrote because mm -hmm. it's heartfelt. It's true. I have a lot of love and respect for Norway, the country, Norway, Norwegian, the, the people, the culture, mm -hmm. everything. Like I just like dove into it myself. Yeah, so it's, it is something that I get asked a lot, and I would really like to have somewhere people could go to read yeah. the answers. <laughs> I don't know how we'd yeah. have to be, no, it's because awesome. it's, it's so complex, and it's it's the biggest thing I've ever done in my life, and it means the most to me. So it's it's not something I could just be like, oh, you know, it was cool, so I went. Yeah, I think it's also important to point out, too, that you started doing this in your 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just kind of... There's, there's a, I got, people might listen to this that are like... I am 31 for the record. I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, listen, you know, I did five years in prison. We just cut those right out, right? This is my life and my story. Uh -huh. And Trey, Trey Uno. Yeah. Trey, the Uno, 31 right here. But yeah, even so. Yeah. <laughs> even so, you could just do it like, you know, I look at the death of a child and all these things. And while they did hurt me and uh, I, I believe they set me back at the time, mm -hmm. they were the catalyst for a lot of greater things that happened that I could have never known about. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me at that time in my life, I was, I was so happy. I was so happy. I had an awesome job, awesome woman, baby on the way. Like everything was like, I could have lived that life for the rest of my life and been completely happy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it's like God had different plans for me. I guess even my reach was going to be a little bit further yeah. than uh, Salem, Oregon. And uh, I just went with it, you know? And, yeah. uh, so that's what's happening. I'm just going, I'm going yeah. with it. Well, there, this is another thing, too, I, I want to say about you. And so this is just from my reading and studies. The, w the way I see you and the way you handle, like, problems when they come up or just, you know, the unexpected. Everybody's going to dwell on them for a time, right? Mm -hmm. You are going to be stuck in, I just lost a child. Mm -hmm. But... When these things come up, we as humans either look at them as a very daunting thing that will bring a lot of fear and doubt, downright just scaredness to like yeah. move forward. But on the flip side, if we can kick ourselves into this, we become fascinated by anything. Mm -hmm. And for you, like right now, it's become Norway. Yeah. But it is this fascination that I think it goes beyond Norway is it what drives you and like you even just said you know you like god has a different plan for you mm -hmm. and you know like for me like i think god has a different plan for everybody but i think it is an important thing to realize when you real um when you understand your own uniqueness in the eyes of of god or mm -hmm. you know whatever religion you may be whatever your deity is mm -hmm. it is important to realize like you do matter because you matter there is so much that you can do and accomplish and share with people and teach people and learn from people. Uh, it's just something to me about you that's just fascinating for me about you is because I, you. I've been watching you do this for the last few years and yeah, I'm a follower. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I would agree with you on this in the sense that you are important and you do matter and your path is your own. So it's like your path is your own. My path is my own. You could have made the same exact decisions, been the same exact places, doing the same exact things as I was doing, 
and not have the same outcome as me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was sitting in a bar in Dutch Harbor, Alaska, dreaming of a job on a boat because they make the most money. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen Deadliest Catch, so I didn't know how dangerous it was or anything. I still actually to this day have not seen Deadliest Catch, and I have been a Bering Sea fisherman. <laughs> like, I don't know if that makes me cool or uncool, but, uh, you know, I'm sitting there in this bar, the Nor- and it's called the Norwegian Rat Saloon. Oh, this is true. what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I'm in a, this little tiny Aleutian Island in Alaska, and I happen to be at a bar that's a Norway, it's a Norwegian bar. While I'm trying to make money to move to Norway, that, yeah, this is like, come on, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm sitting at this bar and I'm like, I gotta figure out how I can get a job on a boat, how I can make more money. I came up here to make money, I guess, figure it out. And what do you know? Some people walked in the door of the bar and they're looking for a guy on their boat because somebody quit and then they had an interview with another guy the night before, but he stood him up. Yeah, and uh, I just have to be in the right place at the right time. I, if I could say anything about my life, I feel like it's being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and being prepared, <laughs> being prepared. Like you know, if you don't have the skills or the preparations necessary for the opportunity when it presents itself, you're going to fail. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're there for the opportunity or not. And when they presented me with the opportunity of being on a boat, I was like, if it just comes down to like hard work and not like a specialized skill, mm-hmm. I can do it because this is my dream. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. And I, I have pictures. They're on my website, actually. I have pictures of my extra tough boots. And I had written all around, you know, it was like, it said my, my mom's name, Marlena, on the, the front of my right boot. It said my dad's name, Eric. On the other one, on the back of my left, it said Virginia, because that's where I'm from. And on the right, it said Norway, because that's where I was going. I had God on there. I had Jesus. I still have these boots. Yeah. I have pictures of them, and I still have them today, which is- I like watching you point at your but you're not even wearing your boots. You know, because I was sitting there, and I had them, and it was like, um, my brothers, uh, Tariq, Brian, my sister, Karina, like, everybody's name was on it, because it was, when it got too hard, it did often out there, and you feel like you want to quit, which I did a lot of the time. It's like baptism by fire. Yeah. Because- you're in a situation, you're completely overwhelmed. You don't know how you're going to make it through. And it's so hard and it just keeps coming at you. It's just anything that could happen. It's like, it's already the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. And you're on a boat that's moving around and you're seasick. Cause I've never been on a boat. And then the storm, like it's went from snow to like hail to like rain and just flashing. And it's just like, it won't stop. And it's just like something that happens. And, and then you make it through it. It's like, huh, I did it. And I did that. And uh, it was only, and this was just an idea. Going Mm -hmm. to Norway was an idea. I I thought I could live a better life there. I thought, I didn't know. I'd never been there. I just Googled it. Happiest country in the world, you know, and this and this, all the benefits. It's safe and uh, healthcare, education, kids. uh, This is the place you want to be for like a family and like live a good life. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm all about all of those things. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go. It's like, I would do the hardest thing in my life. I, I risked everything on an idea about a place that I had never been to, which seems very crazy today, yeah. but yes. it drove me <laughs> and I was like, I have to do it. And that's how like sometimes people could say to anyone, whether it be, you know, your neighbor who has an amazing garden or your friend that became a celebrity or something like that. And you can just look at what they have, but you don't know what they went through. You don't know mm-hmm. that neighbor was Absolutely. out there 
all the time doing the, I started the garden with my mom this year. That is hard work, man. Oh my goodness. You got to always get the, the weeds and all this stuff. So when you see something like that, a lot of work went into that. And like, when you see me traveling, I earned all of that. I worked harder than I ever worked on a boat. Mm. There's a crazy job. And then I just went and when you can be like, wow, that's so amazing. And it's like, people get those wow, amazing moments in their life and in response from other people mm-hmm. because they have risked something that you wouldn't have risked, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever that is, whatever it may be, whether it's time, effort, money, different sacrifices, whatever, because like I said, I look at him like, so you did the hardest thing you ever did in your life and took the money from that <laughs> and did the only sensible thing, which was <laughs> don't pay off that. Don't like buy something, go to another country. You've never been and don't know anyone and hope you can make it until the money runs out. Whew. It changed my whole life. And that's one of the things like everyone has those moments in life where if you had gone that way instead of this way, it would have changed your life in a, in, a, in a crazy way. Maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. We don't know, but it would have changed. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you never leave Idaho, if whatever, you know, if you don't get a job at Flatto, if you don't, whatever it is in your life, if mm-hmm. you made a different decision, you would have a different life. I almost can't even imagine it now because I was just like, I, like. The, yeah. The, the what ifs, man, of life are. Oh, it I mean, just, if, if I ever write a book, yeah. my chapter one introductory will be called, I should have been a plumber. Man, because, what would have happened? You'd have been a plumber. Yeah. But I mean, like this, would, this would go back to say, cause, like my dad died when I was five mm-hmm. and he owned the yeah. plumbing shop. And Fair like, enough. I've had since high school, I've had it happen twice that the same plumbing shop still wanted me to like come back, learn how to, to get my journeyman's and become a plumber. That I don't like the, the that choice. Mm-hmm. I can't say if that would have been a choice of mine had my dad stayed alive. Yeah, and yeah. I don't that. And then with saying that, that means I may never have actually left Idaho. And what twitched to me, like leaving Idaho, though I do love my home state, um, leaving Idaho was the best thing, I, like the best choice I think I ever made because it's yeah. part of the reason I'm where I'm at today, here yeah. here in Oregon next door. Uh, yeah, a big part of it, you know, and. We're not dissing plumbers. Hey, hey, Dusty Rhodes would tell you being a son of a plumber is not a bad thing. You know, he's the oh, American yeah. dream. Cody Rhodes, what's up? The American nightmare, you know, like, uh, you know, it just, but it, it will change that. Like, I have my friends I grew up with, and a couple of them come to visit me here in Oregon uh, on the 27th yeah. in a couple weeks. And uh, I left, when I was 16, I left Virginia, and they stayed in Virginia. We are tight homeboys. Like, we are best friends. Mm-hmm. But my life experience and their life experience or my life outlook mm-hmm. and their life outlook are completely different. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like I have been through, you know, I, like, I lived in areas where I was the only black person. Yeah. Then I lived in areas where I was only American. <laughs> yeah. And I know I, I, I've, I've had a, a, a just a vast, like, it feels like my mind is like expanded so much and mm-hmm. it has changed my worldview. And I, I want to give that to my friends, too. So they're coming out to Oregon for the very first time. So I want to take them to see blue pool or waterfall i want want them to see this stuff because it's like this is it man well that's like that's the thing too though for me is the what you're talking about between like you and your friends and different Mm -hmm. uh, outlooks and stuff like that's my favorite ology to study it's phenomenology it's the study of perspectives and the thing about phenomenology like at its base is you have to understand everybody has their own phenomenological point of view okay because as i mentioned before Everything you walk into, the crossings and dwellings of your life, you have actants just playing on you and mm-hmm. you playing on them as well. 
and they change you and in ways that you may not understand, like they might be in small ways, it might be in big ways, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, two people could be at the same explosion on two different sides of the building and have two different stories to tell. Yeah. 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 So, and so it's just like, I think it's so important too, because I think this is what you're doing. I think this is what you promote really is that like you are Rob who has his point of view in life, his outlook on life, and you're just taking it and grabbing it and going with it. And you're letting people say what they want to say about your choices. But at the same uh, time, it's kind of like, you know, that's just your opinion, man. (laughs) And it's like, it all came from the ashes, like a phoenix. It came from the ashes of a life I thought was everything I wanted that was destroyed and then cemented in destruction by my self-destructive actions just to sell it, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So all that came from that. Um, Like I had a, a blog post like pain, loss, hurt, sadness. I think yeah. that's the title of it. People, they sometimes they don't understand. Like I lost everything, mm-hmm. like multiple times, and everything you see now is a result of that. Of playing the cards I had in my hand the best way I could. Sometimes I didn't get. You know, <clears throat> I'm a felon, so that's a strike against <laughs> me. Uh, there's there's a lot of different things that have set me back, and I have to overcome those to do the things I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. A lot of things in my life that are normal to me are abnormal to other people. And a lot of things that are abnormal to them are normal to me. Yeah. Like graduating high school from the town that you went to elementary, you went to kindergarten and it's like foreign to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like going to the school that your parents went to, way foreign to me. But I got friends in Virginia whose kids go to the school that we went to. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, whoa, traveling over here is foreign to someone else. But traveling over there is not like, like to not have your passport in Europe. Like people be like, Europeans, like they, they that's the main thing they have. But you know how many Americans have their passport? I'm like, nine out of ten. Yeah. It's crazy. I think it's said like one out of ten Americans have their passport. Yeah. And it's crazy, too, because it's pull your passport out in America. You're seeing it's pretentious. Oh, man. You know how many times people, they look at me, I got a passport, I got the card, too. And I use that. And they'll be like, well, do you have any other ID? I'm like, this is like the highest form of identification in our nation. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Do you know to get this card, you have to show your birth certificate and this ID you're telling me about? Like, you can, they're like, what's this? It's like, it is pretty crazy, but uh, it is, it's been an interesting life. And now I feel like I'm on this other path. Like, I've met all these people. You know, I met a guy, Dwayne, that was like, you need to get on your website, get a blog, share your stories. Like, for me, I wanted to hide a lot of things. You know, I think like most people, I wanted to hide my mistakes and, Mm I want everyone to think everything's just perfect. Like I never had any challenges and that is a lie for one. And it's also very uh, not authentic, disingenuous. Like it's just, it's, you shouldn't do that. People need to see the struggle. People need to see like, because people struggle in life. Yeah. And sometimes they are also hiding it. And you know, so if you're hiding something and the other person's hiding something, there's never going to be communication. Mm -hmm. But when you're like, Hey, and you can open up by, hey, you know, I've made these mistakes in life. Then this other person's like, well, I made a mistake too, or I did this. And I want to show people that, like, you can do great things. You can be a mm-hmm. fella and travel the world. You could be an addict and overcome it. You can be a, a loser at different times in your life, my opinion on myself, and overcome that and become a winner. Mm-hmm. Those definitions don't have to be anything like status or anything like that. Just as long as you feel like me chasing my Norwegian dreams and having a home base and living in Norway while I like live there and then also travel and do some different things, but have that be my home. Mm -hmm. That makes me happy. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with money 
or fame or like anything. Like when I got to Norway, if I would have got a job cleaning toilets, I would have been thrilled. I'm like, let's get this toilet cleaned. I got my visa. I'm living. I'm happy. Like I'm here to live. And so the movies and commercials and all this other stuff was just like, I mean, sure. Why not? <laughs> I'll do yeah. that. I mean, I guess it's better than cleaning a toilet, but understand, I would have been happy cleaning the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but this is definitely better. That, that's, how, that's how Kate and I feel about Disneyland. <laughs> well, we take a janitor position there. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I'm just like, and then things happen more. Like, so I feel like God was like, but I got bigger plans for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you may be happy just being, uh, you know, cleaning toilets, but. Maybe there's some Norwegians need to understand more about Americans. Maybe there's people you need to meet. Maybe there's people that need to meet you. Yeah. Maybe there's places you need to be. Like, Well, that's the other thing, too. You kind of just mentioned, like, there might be somebody to meet you there. And, you know, you're saying God called, like, has plans for you. And you do feel a pull from God, I'm guessing, in a lot of I what do. you do. A lot of it. The thing is, like, this is something I've, like, learned from, like, just my experience of, I don't like calling myself religious, but... uh. I have been religious. I've also been irreligious and non-religious. But, I've, but, I've, but I've always, I've always been a believer. Yeah. When it comes to like, when you feel God calling you or pulling you in a direction and you don't do that, then you're kind of like going against that command or it wasn't a command necessarily, but it's what God told Abraham that he's going to bless him to be a blessing. And if you don't listen mm. to God, mm. And don't go forth with what he's pulling you towards. You're not really going to be able to be a blessing. And therefore, you're not really going to be blessed. And you're really... And then, again, you going back to what you're saying and just about, like, you don't want to hide your struggles and mistakes. You want people to see them because it's important. Like, in this day and age, it is so important that we share our struggles because yeah. there's so much going on with, like, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on with Black Lives Matter, with COVID-19. There's, there's, man, we live in a, in, a, in a shit show of a world right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and I really do think sharing these stories is, like, why I wanted you to be the first guest and be on here is because you do share this. Like, you put it out there for everybody to read, like... Is there? It, it, it's, you even tell it in your stories on Instagram. I tell it so. my stories on Instagram. It's out there, robdoesitall.com, and my blog that I got. I, I, I release like two, three things every week, uh, a lot of stuff to come out. And it's just like, it, with all the humility you can have, if you're being blessed to be a blessing, then you have to go. Like when you feel that pull somewhere, mm-hmm. like I, you can never tell 10 year old me in Herndon, Virginia, that I'd ever one day be in Israel. Like, yeah. Israel? What would I be in Israel for? But I was in Norway. A friend of mine from Portland was flying to visit their family in uh, Jerusalem mm-hmm. and was like, hey, you want to pop down? I was like, oh, I could pop down because I'm in Norway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, I'll, pop, I'll down. pop down to Israel, right? Like, I'll pop down to Israel. And it was like 120 bucks, 100 bucks, something like that, round trip ticket from Oslo to Tel Aviv. I only ended up hanging out with their family one day. So I spent the other four all by myself just exploring Israel and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and Oh man, um, the path, the journey. Like I, I travel. I don't like to Google a lot of things when I start in a place. Uh-huh. I like to go to a place, and then usually I get like a ride to city center, taxi from the airport or bus station where I'm at, and I'll just experience it first. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I'll, I'll just I don't know like where life takes me. I just feel like you know the wind says go this way, go this way. Like very, I don't know that way. At the end. Or at the end of the day or something like that, I'll then I'll look up to see if I missed anything. Uh-huh. Because I like to just go. When I went to uh, Israel and Jerusalem, I was walking around old town Jerusalem. You got the Temple Mount over there, the Golden Roof and the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. 
I didn't really know anything about it. There's a lot of people over there. What are they doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Then I look at them like, oh my gosh, this is the wall that like every president goes to. This is the yeah. wall that everyone goes to. And let me tell you, that is a, you need to go there, especially yeah. as a believer. No, a believer should go, especially a non-believer should definitely go because it's unreal. I mean, I've got goosebumps right now. And yeah. I'm telling you, when you go there, it is a, energy you can feel like a wom, 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 like coming off of this wall and it made me just boom, start crying like yeah. it, was, it was unreal it was every emotion i ever felt in my life happiness sadness pain hurt anything anything you've ever felt was all hitting me all at once and i was just like i don't even know why mm-hmm. i'm crying like it's just crazy and i did bible yeah. study in front of this wall and i was just like wow another thing too that people don't realize about the wailing wall like i haven't been I want to go I'm, uh, on your recommendation, but also my brother's. My brother's been there and he's described it the same. But a lot of what people don't realize about the Wailing Wall is that it's Muslims are there, Jews are there, Christians are there. And then even some people who are just like multi-faith and yeah, even yeah. just non-believers. Uh, in, in the religious world, you're either a religious, irreligious or a nun. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. And not a nun like N-U-N, a nun yeah. as in like N-O-N-E as in like... oh. You just have completely detached yourself from like anything. I don't. I don't know how you could visit this wall and still feel that way because it is. Like I said, I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I had never Googled it or looked it up. I was just exploring Jerusalem. Yeah, and was like, oh, you see signs. I'll go here. Go here. Like to see it, I was like, oh wow. And then you have to. There's like a fountain. You have to rinse your hands, wipe your face, you know, cleanse yourself, put your yarmulke on, and then you mm-hmm. go. And it's just like. It is, it is something, I'm telling you. It's, you know? it's, they have it separated for men and women. So, like, the women are on this other side, and they have, like, a like a fence in between. Uh-huh. They're not allowed to uh, be next to each other at it or uh-huh. whatever. I mean, it's still the same wall, you know what I mean? And it's it's just, it's it's unreal. Yeah. Uh, you will, you got to check it out. I mean, just go. All I did was have my, my study Bible. I have my daily bread, and all I did was turn to that day. And read the daily bread and do the mm. Bible study for that day. This is to me. This is going to be a good segue because I, yeah. I told you the name of this podcast, but yeah. I, I spoke too soon. It was we. You said Mark was dumb, or something? yeah, it was called Mark is dumb. No, it was, <laughs> so yeah, I told you that this podcast was going to be called the Dumb Podcast, which stood for discussing the unknown with Mark in his basement. Mm-hmm. But long ago, I had an idea for a blog. And I'm still going to do it, but I also figured I might as well intertwine them. And this was going to be the original name of this podcast, yeah. but it's called Looming in the Numinous. Okay. The Numinous is this feeling that you're describing about being at the Wailing Wall. Mm-hmm. It is indescribable. Yeah. It is. So a good way to like look at it is that in religion, which but depending on what your perspective of what religion is, mm-hmm. The rational aspects of religion is everything that man has experienced mm-hmm. with the numinous and written down on paper turned into theologies and doctrines and just it's across all the religions. But yeah. you can't really write down the irrational things that happen. Like, you know, the the pull that you feel is probably an irrational pull. Like people questioned you spending all the money you just made, you know, man, and uh, everybody. The only person did was my mom. She's the only one that believed in me. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in you, Rob. <laughs> um, but then uh so it's just like the numinous is just it's this stuff that is just it's this knowledge that is just out of reach of, of humanity we just can't contain it yeah, yeah and 
doesn't matter what you ascribe to religious wise, you can call yourself a nun as far as I'm concerned too. You still have those experiences because you feel them in the first time you hear your favorite song or the mm -hmm. movie you watch. Um, and then the other aspect of the title is looming and it's going to be stylized. Mm. It's going to be spelled L U with the two like dots above it. Yeah. I forgot what it's like. Um, um, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Cause it provides the ooh sound, like mm -hmm. the German ooh sound. Mm -hmm. So then it also play, it helps me turn looming into a triple entendre. Ooh, triples are the best. Doubles are cool, but yeah. triples. <laughs> yeah. Those are rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare you come across triple entendre. Right? I know. I'm trying to incorporate more of those in my daily so, speech. <laughs> so the looming part now is going to represent, uh, for one, to loom. Mm -hmm. So like in the sense of something looming in the darkness there's mm -hmm. a spirit dwelling in the corner or whatever you know so like that type of looming a lot of what the conversations i feel have are always at is like there's just something there to be talked about and we mm -hmm. need to drag it down uh, but then there's also like luminescent bringing light like mm -hmm. shining upon the numinous and then the last one is like a loom like for where they make rugs out of looms right so this is like sort of a, sort of a religious podcast but mm -hmm. not at the same time and the reason I wanted that loom, that aspect of looming in there is because the root word for religion is leg, mm -hmm. which means to knit or bind together, mm. which means religion is about connecting with okay. people, which is, again, what you have been doing with your life since 2018. Man, yeah. I mean, you've been doing it since before that, but like you've had this well, new vigor. Yeah. Yeah. stage. I think that that pull, it, it, may, it may seem irrational. But I promise you, for you and Stu and each one of us, it is your own thing. Like, it is specifically tailored for you. Mm -hmm. And if in your life, when you feel this pool and you feel like, man, I should do this or I should do that or this would be great or just anything you think about, any musician you ever heard, any author you ever read, any show you've ever seen, someone had to have the irrational thought of, I could do that. Mm -hmm. You know? Like... A lot of people type out words. What made the author of a book think that his words were good enough, or that people wanted to read them? Or mm -hmm. what made a, a you know a kid from a poor environment? It could be the inner city, it could be the trailer park, it could be anywhere. Think that they could be a sportscaster or a TV analyst, or mm -hmm. what, like what makes people think that? Like they they just go with it. So when I was feeling pull. Like to travel and to go because I wanted to live abroad. I wanted to see the world. And I remember sitting at my cousin, my cousin Joshua and his house. And we went Google Maps and took the little man and dropped him on like a street in Oslo in Norway and just like walked down the street. So to be there was all these things had to happen. Like I believe it was my plan or it was planned for me because if one of these things would have happened, it would have been amazing. But 10 things happened in a row mm -hmm. that were like. You just had to go, like, get to Alaska. Then all of a sudden, it's a Norwegian accident. Then the guy needs a job and needs people on his boat. And, whoa, I happened to be there at that time. It was only there because I was trying to download a video on YouTube, and there was bad storms, and the Wi-Fi was out. Mm -hmm. If I had been able to go to that bar, use the Wi-Fi, download these videos, and then go back, I would have been gone. Mm -hmm. So, like, everything was happening just for me, it seemed like. Yeah. So now I, I almost feel like I owe it to... The universe, to myself, to, to to life, to if life is telling me, like, this is the path, I feel like I should go. And it is at times lonely because, you know, I, I'm single. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't have a lot of things going on. A lot of people do, especially people that, you know, 
have uh you know reached 30 mm-hmm. or like their their like benchmarks are like well i need to have this home i gotta have a wife husband kids and it's like i have none of those things <laughs> but i have felt a pull for a path that was different than that mm-hmm. so i'm just at times i felt so lost but I'm like, I have to be here for a reason. Like, I mean, I'm in Lithuania. I'm hanging out in Vilnius at a whiskey bar, you know, uh, or I'm arguing with, uh, I'm not arguing. I am listening to the bartender passionately describe how Budweiser stole the, the Czech recipe for Budweiser and went to America <laughs> with it. And I'm like, oh, you have Budweiser on tap? Not, it's not American Budweiser. I'm like, well, is there another one? Oh my God, there is another one they stole. I'm like, okay. I, I actually know. think I learned about that from you. I think <laughs> yeah. did you post about that. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm telling you because that day, yeah, they were very passionate about that. I was like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. and, um, if you have a small recipe from Czech Republic and you take it to a big country like America, yeah, all of a sudden you made it. I, yeah. And I'm not here to say that that happened. I'm just, that's just what I heard. That's what he was told. From a Czech guy in Czech Republic. <laughs> Czech bartender. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like uh, being in Poland and, you know, being in Budapest, I was in Budapest, I was in Hungary, I was at the, the chain bridge, they were filming the Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson there, I was at the, yeah, the castle, like... I remember you posting about that too. <laughs> man, I had a Beaver Bowl shirt on, yeah. <laughs> I'm out there in front of the Budapest, the Hungarian castle with the dudes, and they won't move, and I'm like taking pictures in front of them, I'm like, you know, like, and these things were just happening because, alright, I'll tell you, it was one of my, one of my top travel tips and secrets. Okay. Alright, so... When I travel to a place, I like to, and this may not work for you uh-huh. having kids, but it may work better with uh-huh. kids. Um, I like to look for super long layovers in other countries. Oh, like, yeah. A lot of people don't like those. Well, I don't want to have like a three-hour layover where it's not enough time to do anything, but it's like too much time. You don't want me sitting in the airport. I like to get like, give me a 22-hour layover. I went to Budapest because I had a 22-hour layover in Budapest. So I got to go city center hang out three meals do everything you could want to do in budapest yeah and it was on my way somewhere else i didn't even pay to go to budapest i was just there yeah and then that was i was there on the way somewhere and then i went to my destination and then on the way back i went to another country with like another 24-hour layover so just hanging out that's so a really good idea that I'm, if i ever traveled i'm telling you when, myself you, when you start looking it up and you can see you know like, oh man so now i do my my tickets by looking at like Am I going to have an extended layover in a country I've never been before? Because if it is, I want to go. Hmm. Like uh, going back to Norway here in a few weeks, I'm looking at there's one flight that has a like a 20 hour layover in Qatar. And I was like, I don't even know what Qatar is. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I had to look up the city, which I do not remember. And I didn't know what the city was. And then it said it was in Qatar. I was like, where's Qatar? It's right by the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. It's like right over there. And I'm like, that's awesome. Now, I don't know about quarantine and stuff like that, how that works, but. You do definitely have to leave the airport for it to count. So I can't just be in the airport and have it count. But if I can get out of the airport and go to city center, take some pictures, have some food, and kick mm-hmm. it in Qatar, Qatar. And that's, on the way back, there was one that was like Russia. Like I'm just like, I want to go all these places. And that's, that's you how brought you up, do it. You brought up one of my favorite debates about travel. For the example is, um, I can say I've been in Korea, but yeah. I haven't been to Korea. Because yes. I had a two-hour layover yeah. in Korea one time. And, you know, I could say the same thing about Atlanta, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I've I've had layovers in Atlanta several times. But I've never actually experienced Atlanta. So, see, you got 
You got to go. It does not count. I don't think any travel. And, and, and I don't think it counts. Would let it count. <laughs> you wouldn't want it to count because these places that you're having layovers in are really cool. If all and you're you seeing of the place is the airport. Yeah, no. Get out. Get out. Get out. Like, you have to go get some local uh, cuisine. Get some... See the styles. Listen to the music. Like, I get so much... Like, all right. So, I have a blog, a weekly blog about the top five, the five songs I'm listening to that week. And I use Shazam everywhere. Anywhere I'm at. If I walk past the store and they got a song playing, I Shazam it. If I'm in the elevator, Shazam it. I Shazam That's where I get a lot. If I'm in a club, the bar... Shazam everything. Your five songs you're listening to this week. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, but that, and I have to, actually, it was supposed to be written. It will be released, like, later tonight. All right. Later tonight. But that's where I get all my music from. A lot of people are like, wow, your music tastes are so crazy. But that's what happens when you go to other places and experience other cultures. Mm-hmm. You become more aware and open-minded to other things. I got, I got some French hip-hop and dance music. I got some K-pop. Speaking of Korea, I got K-pop mm-hmm. going on. I got all sorts. I got Afro beats. Much like when I first moved to Oregon and I never listened to country music before because it was country music. I have appreciation for it now. It's Mm. still not my top choice. But I can listen to it. But it's just like one of those things. Like I had never been exposed to it. So I didn't understand it. I'd never been around people that were living those emotions Mm -hmm. about farms and girls and drinking and all this stuff. And that's how every song is about. But a lot of them, right? To me. And, uh, so I, I could never understand where they're coming from. But now you go to these different places and it's like, oh man, the music, like, I'm in love with the world. What can I say? Music is a... Uh, it people I've, together for sure. I just, this book I'm reading right now, it, 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 made, it? it it's called The Idea of the Holy. It's not my first time reading it, but mm-hmm. it's my first time reading these three chapters in it because I read it for in school a few times, but we always skipped over these three chapters because they directly had to do with the Bible and most of the classes I was taking didn't directly have to do with the Bible. They weren't part of the class's agenda. Yeah. I kind of wish that they were because uh, this one chapter that was just talking about the Old Testament and the religion of the Old Testament was just talking about, like, let's put it in terms of music. Mm -hmm. You know, you you, uh, hear music for the first time and you're like, I want to, like, know that song. I want to maybe even learn how to play it on guitar or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And... And then at like some point though, like after you've done it so many times, you know they say it takes ten thousand time like attempts or something to become an Not expert in. It. Yeah, and uh, but then you get to that point, and the, it's kind of lost like its its numinous aspects, mm-hmm. the the stuff that draws you to it, because you've gotten so good and proficient in it. Yeah. And so the example he gives in this though, he's talking about like how music just drives people in in certain ways but not everybody is able to talk about it in an articulate way and he mentioned how like confucius who has nothing to do with the bible but it's being talked about in this chapter on the bible confucius was a musician we'll never hear his music because he's you know it's way lost in the record you have recordings (laughs) but but he pointed out he just said if we heard his music it probably would just sound like you know, a terrible noise because it was of different time mm-hmm. and a different culture that does not like limit the experience he had with it anymore. Like it, it actually opens it up more for our understanding. And he just says like Confucius was able to describe what playing music was like in a way that most people today can't even understand modernly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we can look back on the past of humanity and everything that people have gone through and just like downplay it because it's archaic and in the past and they did it differently. But the thing that we imply in downplaying the way people did stuff in the past 
were also saying that their experience then wasn't as rich. Hmm. And I don't think that that's true. Like, I think that, well, yeah. like, he's not saying that that's true in the book. He's, like, arguing against it. Like, we we have implications in, like, the words we use and say when we describe, like, people and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what they've been through. And the words we use can imply so much that, it, like, it totally, you know, we, we started talking early. Like, I think this podcast started off talking about, like, positive and negative stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, when you start describing these things that like either influenced you in a good way or a bad way, you're going to imply certain aspects of it that other people are going to hear. And then, you know, to, just, to take it a really far step, but it, it, it can lead down like a bad road or it could lead yeah. down a, a good road. Yeah, well, people experiences uh, in general, uh, everyone is different for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done five years in prison and that changed me. Of course, it shaped me. You know, I, I got in a fight when I was 21. I, I was defending a friend of mine at a party. We got jumped by a bunch of people. That that decision, that action, the consequence, everything all shaped me. You know, uh, I could have walked away and just mm-hmm. left him on his own. And that would have made me, that would have shaped me in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was there uh, and, and we handled that situation and we, we accepted our consequences for the mistakes that we made. And, you know, we did that, but that will tell you something about a person. You know, when you get into trouble, who is going to be there for you? If you get into a situation with someone else and you're both in trouble, who will help you? Now, is the way that we handle that situation the smartest way? No, definitely not. You know, um, I should, I, I, I was correct in not leaving, but we should have left. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like my mind at the time was I just got to go defend him and I got to do this. Like being a, a more intelligent, broadened horizon in the mind of an adult now is there's absolutely nothing wrong with walking out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. even after you've been hit, even if, okay, whatever. Dude, run away. Who cares, man? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This is your life. We're not in some rap video and we're not trying to be hardcore gangster rappers and have to live our lyrics and stuff like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, I was an ambassador. I got invited to a party at a house by some people, and the other people didn't want us there. And when a big crazy thing happened, like we should just hightail it out of there, just leave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But instead, it's like you have pride, you have ego, you have all these different things that are like, well, I can't let them. Pump. Like, who cares? Because mm-hmm. now, what's twenty years later? Them people ain't thinking about me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not thinking about them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's a mistake that happened, but it's like. What I mean by that is like their opinion of if I'm tough or not means nothing to me today. Yeah. I, I do not care. I, if, if they were sitting at a barbecue and they were like, remember that time and Rob was here and he ran out of the house, that would still mean nothing to me today. It would yeah. mean absolutely nothing. But at 21, at 20 and 21, I was so just like, I can't let them do this. I have to like my toughness, like. Yeah, you're toughness, but where's the smartness? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but all of those things still shaped me in a way that made me who I am today. And had I not gone through that, and not to say my life would be better or worse, but it would definitely be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel blessed in my life today, and my life today is a result of all of those good choices, bad choices, idiotic choices. I, I mean, I feel very happy with my life today, and I feel, I feel right where I'm supposed to be. Cool, man. I'm looking forward to reading more of your stories. Yeah. So keep posting them, but uh come hang out in Mark's basement. This is this is cool. Yeah. Meet the kids, meet the dog, 
Gotta meet Stu. Stu over here in the corner. You're like, he, Stu's the guy. He's the one that's making everything happen. Mark's a pretty face. Stu's the brains. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. Rob, thank you so much for coming on here and being the first guest. No problem. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. I'm gonna like record some of this on my screen right now. Thank you. Yeah, dude. Um, and you know, whenever you get are you are you going to you're going back to Norway for a short time? I have to go there to pick up a job contract. Okay. And uh and once I have my job contract, I have to leave Norway to apply for my visa. Okay. And then I have to wait for the visa to be approved, and then I can move back to Norway. Okay. Well, so there's a lot of things. If there's ever an opportunity for you to come back on, come on the podcast. Please do. Yes, come hang out. It's still in the corner. <laughs> cool. Oh, I also want to imply this in every podcast. Rob, I love you, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? I love you too, Mark. And you've been nothing but a good dude ever since I, I first met you. It's funny. Uh, I was looking up. I was looking up, I have some pictures on my phone, like a few uh, Halloweens ago, and you were Robin Hood, and you dressed oh, yeah. up as Robin Hood, and there was a kid that came in the restaurant no, and dressed was, as Robin Hood, That too. was Link from Zelda. Oh, Link, <laughs> yes, Link. Yes, it was Link, and you guys were both dressed up the same, you know, and I just Dude, like, that kid thought I was Link, <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like so enamored to have his picture tanked with me, and I was Man, like, of course I'm going to do like, this. I was like, oh my gosh, look at that, so I was like, I took the picture. I took yeah. a picture of you guys and I have That's it. That's right. Yeah. I have that on my phone as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Y'all are awesome. a good dude. Cool. All right, Rob. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah.